let her get away, Mommy. Don't let her live. I won't, Jason. I won't. So here we are, another summer block party, 2023 Electric Entertainment block party, and Ryan had some issues going on, as you probably heard in the trailer, he just was consuming way too much physical media. You've heard us talk a lot about all of these physical releases that come to our doorstep. I mean, he couldn't even get into his house. They were, there were so many piles of boxes from Amazon and from eBay and pr- really from Vinegar Syndrome. It was just stacked to the ceiling. And, and he realized when he couldn't even get in his house, he knew he had a problem. So he checked himself in. He is uh, going through a detox right now. A little bit of recovery. You heard his intro on on the trailer hi my name is ryan and i have a problem he he he's there um i think we've got him online if if you recall he doesn't have tv uh laptop anything like that so it might be a little rough um we're gonna try this out for this first episode of our summer block party but i think i've got him on the line he's got his phone and he's kind of hiding out in the woods back there uh just so that they don't catch him with it so here we are. Ryan, Ryan, can you hear us? Do we have you in? Are you at the camp? And are you okay to do this episode? First episode of our summer block party. I, ho- I hope you're there. Okay. Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah. Coming in? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a little choppy at first, okay, but I good. think we got you. I think we got you. What do you, what do you Man, think? Yeah. We're here. Summer block parties. The second one. Yeah. We're doing this. We, we kind of... We talked a little bit about maybe not doing it, but knowing that you're getting ready to check yourself in. But here we are. We're we're going to try to make this happen while you're detoxing. I, I I'm going to throw a lot at you for this summer block party because we didn't we didn't quit it. So at some point, I I really I don't know why you're even there. Um, this I, they're not going to fix you. I I don't know how they could fix a junkie like you, but we're going to try this. So here we are. No, I mean, it's crazy. Like you were saying, it got pretty bad. I got it, I got to a very low point where, I mean, I was stumbling over stuff that I didn't even know that I had purchased. I was stumbling over stuff that I didn't even realize that I had bought that I even wanted. So yeah, it got um, it got pretty pretty scary at times, and I felt like, man, this is something. I need to do a deep clean, deep cleansing. I need, I need to rid myself of any previous physical media purchases, so I can be a better, healthier physical media collector in the future. And I think this program here, this camp, is going to um, put me on the right path. Um, you know, I'm gonna try to get the world by the. The throat, and you know, uh, try to get back on the right path. Yeah, and, I thought I've, and, I've heard uh, from a motivational uh, speaker. He hasn't. He isn't yeah. there, is he? Is there a motivational speaker there oh. with you to to try to get you right back right. on the right path? 
actually is one on site, but I don't know. He's he just he don't cut it for me. He's he's he don't he's not very uh, Matt Foley-ish. Uh, he's not bummer. Not he's not on the same level. But in the meantime, you know, I felt like we still have to put out the block party. I can't ignore it. You know, I still want to put out some great episodes for all the listeners. And I felt like the best best way to do it is we got to do it uh, a camp style block party a camp edition yeah. because i mean this get this getaway of a camp you know uh <laughs> trying to cleanse myself so well since you're uh, at a camp there's a lot of great camp things that we can talk about I, it, you haven't had to salute your shorts yet have you while you're there oh no thankfully not oh, okay not well we'll get to saluting your shorts at, at some point during this block party i'm sure but yeah since you're at a camp uh trying to go through this we love physical media um i'm just gonna let it keep piling up around me um i i don't think i'll ever end up claiming to have to detox from it but we'll we'll play this by ear uh what with so many camp types of entertainment that's out there we'll just really focus on the camp so um gosh we're gonna kick it off strong with this first one because we've talked a little we've we've gotten a lot of different places in season three this year we have put out some huge episodes we've covered a lot of genres we've we've touched on kids tv programming i mean what else what else is there for us to touch on um we're kind of going to go back to our roots though with a big episode for this summer camp edition of our summer block party and this is if you've listened to some of our shows of the past where some of these horror films go head to head, this is one of the top contenders. And we've talked a lot about Halloween in the past and our love for it. One that goes kind of neck and neck with the Halloween franchise is a franchise that really is focused on a camp of uh, campers and really focused on one young individual and his mother. Uh, we're going to go back to Camp Crystal Lake with this first episode of our summer block party. And what a way to kick off a camp episode than starting with the franchise of Friday the 13th. Let's, let's hit, let's go back to the roots. Horror. We're moving away from the kids programming. We're moving away from the other genres. We're getting back to the genre we love with this episode. Friday the 13th, Camp Edition. While Ryan's away at, at a camp. Is there a lake there, Ryan? There's not a Camp Crystal Lake around where you're at, is there? Oh, no, but there is a very nice daytime spa. <laughs> I have uh, frequented there quite a bit. These uh, I've been here about a week, and I'm getting the, the lay around of the place, and... I'm going to hopefully maybe be running this joint uh, at the end of my stint here. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. There's but, what we can do. Yeah. There's what we can do. We can take over. Uh, what is this camp that you're even at? What's the name of it? It's called Camp Culture Shock. Because That's when you right. enter this place, when you enter this place, it's going to shock your system. So here... it might shock your shorts a little <laughs> bit as well. Here we go. So we're going to, by the end of this block party, we're going to take over this camp culture shock and really shock them with what Electric Entertainment's all about. So Friday the 13th, let's jump right in because I don't know how much time you've got till, uh, how many, who do you have there well, that's watching over you? Like, do you have somebody that's keeping what. track of you? Yeah, I've got a little time until 
I get my third square because I get three squares a day here. It's just like prison almost. Yeah. You get your square in the morning for breakfast. You get your lunch square. You get your your uh, <laughs> your dinner. So, so we, we you so. got any counselors that are are not watching you right now? Are they stuck up in like a loft somewhere getting you you know? Uh, well, so I actually what I done I I kind of paid off one of the counselors. I get I gave him a. Uh, maybe a little tip, a little bit of money to uh, keep. He's my he's my eyes and ears. He's kind of watching out for me. I'm kind of tucked away here in this little uh, uh, kind of if you want to call it a closet. I found this empty janitor closet. That, oh, so you're not out in the uh, woods. It's, un, by the it's unoc yeah, it's okay. unoccupied. Okay. All right, so, I was gonna say I've, I, oh, I'm, I'm staying sound, indoors. Sound like you're coming through pretty good. Here's what you should have done instead of giving him money or cash to bribe him. You should have gave him some of that good merch that we've got that's out there. You know those oh, those yeah. nice t-shirts that we've got out that people can get, the nice mugs that are out there, but I think even even going with one of those nice little pins or or one of the new glitter stickers with the Electric Entertainment logo, you could have bribed him for weeks on end if you would have taken some of that good merch. Now, if listeners haven't checked it out, they can go get some of that uh, on their own. And it, it, it's it's a perfect bribe for anybody that, that you need to bribe, by the way. So it's go, go that's hot product there. So going off the shelves, just left and right. Get it while you can. Definitely. Everyone needs to get their hands on some of that new electric swag. Now, I know go. I'm enjoying. I got my shirt in. I've got my mugs, um, the stickers, the pins. Uh, yeah, it's uh, great stuff to have. Uh if you're any fan so, of electric entertainment. Yeah, so I've been keeping up on all the socials as much as I can. Now there has been a little bit of lag there on Letterboxd and I'm kind of getting I'm getting a sense of why there's been a little bit of a lag there. You've not been able to put much out because of being uh, checked in and, and going through this. I I get it. I I can see why there's been a little bit of a slowdown. Uh, I, like I said, I had to go all out in the cleansing, not from just watching, but I had to cleanse myself of reviews, too. Yeah. But uh, I'm hoping when I get through this program that, yeah, I'll see the light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm going to come out a better That's good. Uh, physical media uh, collector. I was going to say, we're going to have to start using like chat GPT and start putting these uh, reviews out because Ryan's going through this detox and all the listeners are just dying to get these latest and greatest, the best movie reviews that are out there. So if you haven't checked them all out yet, you can go back and check out our letterbox reviews. And then while Ryan gets through this and gets out, there's going to be some top-notch reviews coming, so I fully expect that. All right, here we go. Let's jump in. Friday the 13th. This is Legacy here, and there's a lot to unpack with Friday the 13th as a franchise. I mean, we've seen Jason go through all kinds of different things, and we're going to get into that. I mean, even from not just being at Camp Crystal Lake, but gosh, he went to the Big Apple. He's been to outer space. This guy's been all over the place within this franchise. But not only the franchise itself, it's it's been a challenge with some of the makers that were involved, the, the directors, the creators, and the rights, and how those have been kind of a tangled up mess. We've gotten several physical releases of uh, Friday the 13th and new ones that continue to come out today. And then also we've heard about uh, TV shows that are in the making, maybe even movies. We're, we've got a lot to dive into with this episode, and I think we've got some really cool things to talk about. So Friday the 13th, Ryan, what are your thoughts on the franchise itself, and 
How do you feel it ranks up there uh, within the horror franchise? Yeah, the this franchise, it's probably the only one that dominated uh, an entire decade. I mean, it I, it was all throughout the 80s. I, I think uh, on like release wise, I think throughout the 80s they released one every two every two years or almost every other year, and uh, for it to have this like long um, lasting stance throughout a decade like that. I mean, it really speaks volumes for a franchise to have that many entries in the series because it is, it's probably my recollection for like studio, like major release. wise. I mean, we could talk about puppet master and Amityville having countless releases, but most of their releases in their future were just like direct, direct to video. Yeah. Um, for Friday the 13th, I think it's, it's definitely the um, only horror franchise out there that had, has released as many films uh, theatrically, which I'm thinking they, they released, I think, 12, 12, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah there's yeah there's been so many, 12 of them, yeah, you're right. I think 12, and so for like a series to do that, I mean, I, that's like, that's James Bond territory. I'm talking like... We're talking about like the cream of the crop when it comes to iconic uh, movie characters. I, I mean, you got to put Jason Voorhees there next to James Bond. I mean, to be honest, he's one of those guys that no matter what like version you get of him, like you said he's been to space, he's been to the Big Apple, he's been one one time he went to hell. I mean, he's been to so many different places. Yeah, he keeps coming back. So it says a lot to the character for them to come up with so many different stories. It tells me that yeah, there there's still there's still a want there. There's still there's still fans there that want to see him and want to see what he's gonna do next. And so yeah, uh, for, so for me, going back to your question, I mean yeah, I I probably put it up there as probably the top the top two top probably top two top three horror franchises like in history of cinema um there's because there's just no denying character and i would love to uh, and i'm surely in this episode we're gonna like talk about like the core of the story of jason Voorhees because it's a very it's a very human story when, when we break it down and yeah. like the, how he became his creation and like what you know what spawned all these entries in the franchise there's a reasoning for his mayhem and his wreck, wreck, you know, reckoning. So yeah. I, I would like to uh, talk on that for sure. Before we get into that, though, one other thing that I didn't mention, and we're going to get to that here in just a little while, probably towards the end. Um, as you mentioned, several things like the fans of Friday the Thirteenth are phenomenal. I mean, you see at these horror conventions, you see just fans in general on YouTube or others that, that put content out there. There's just so much love that is given to this franchise and rightfully so, but even games that are being made right now for like the Nintendo switch and uh, other platforms um, are out there for uh, the, the fans and a new one that's coming out that we'll talk about towards the end of this episode, but let's jump right into it and, and let's start there with how Jason was created. So 
let's just go through the films. We'll we'll kind of walk through them. Some of them we'll talk about probably a little bit longer. Some of them a little bit shorter. But try to just walk through the creation of Jason Voorhees as we know him and, and kind of how he changed throughout each of these films. So going all the way back to 1980, you mentioned him dominating the 80s. And what you're going to find out is that's definitely the truth. And it started with that first film... In 1980, with a group of camp counselors that they try to open camp, reopen Camp Crystal Lake, which you find out pretty quickly that it has a dark history. So as they fall victim to this mysterious killer, it's revealed that the killer is someone else in this first movie. And I can only, like when I first watched this, and probably for you and for everybody else, you didn't know what was who this killer was within this film. And when it gets to the point where it reveals that it's, it's pretty shocking and um, spoiler alert for all of these, hopefully you've seen them if you're listening to us, but there's definitely going to be spoilers within our discussions here um, because some of this is, you just can't talk about it without sharing some spoilers along the way. And, and for this one in particular, definitely a spoiler as that killer that's revealed is actually a vengeful Mrs. Voorhees who is seeking revenge 
because of the death of her son, who was Jason that had drowned in the lake at Camp Crystal Lake years and years ago. And this is kind of what starts this huge uh, franchise around this character of Jason, but Jason not being the primary focus as this machete killing machine in that first film, but his loving mother that was out to get revenge on the counselors that were not watching her son at this camp. Yeah, with this first one, uh, Sean Cunningham, I mean, he took like this very basic idea saying that, look, the only thing out there at this time making money are horror films. So, you know, he basically just goes and takes the template that John Carpenter perfected two years prior with Halloween and realized, you know, I can do this too. So he he just put that slasher aspect because I think he knew, yeah, I mean, this is kind of what horror films is going to look like in the next 10, 15, 20 years. I think he kind of had a hunch that, if I can make one of these and make it kind of well, it, there you know there's money to be made there, and that's kind of what he was wanting to do. But like the, but yeah, this first one like Jason's not even he's not even in it. Like he yeah he's not this iconic character who's the face of this franchise wasn't even in like the very first one, which blows my mind. But the story is so powerful. Like I feel like the reason why so many people like connect to it and relate to it and why there's so many fans to it is because like Jason is like at the end of the day, he, you know, he was, he's human too. He was human too. And I, I kind of like sympathize with him and like kind of relate to him because like he, you know, essentially he did drown in the lake was like these camp counselors were ignoring him. They were, they were, they were drinking or having sex or whatever. They weren't paying attention to him. So he ends up drowning at a very, very young age. It, it, it like, out of all this, uh, births or creates this amazing revenge story. We all love a good revenge story, and that's kind of like the foundation to, like, any uh, horror film. I mean, you could think of countless horror films that start with that, like, human connection or that human emotion of revenge. I'm talking, like, Carrie... Even like a classic 90s film, Misery. There's so many horror films that use that, that notion of like revenge, that I'm coming back. Like, this isn't over. Like, you're going to see me again. So I feel like um, even though like Jason Voorhees is like this, this you know, you, you know, this crazy maniacal killer, like he has like reasoning behind it. You, you know, he, he, I'm sure he was bullied. And, and we've seen that in in some of these entries of the franchise we've seen like some films where they kind of touched on like like he was bullied because you know he was he he was different he looked different i mean we can say what you know say how it is like he yeah. was um he had some sort of he's a deformed uh, disfigurement yeah yeah he was def- he had disfigurement to his face so he he didn't look like every other person he wasn't normal yeah um and no one wanted to um accept that so the only way a lot of people tried not to accept it was by bullying him and ignoring him. And then it eventually led to him drowning in that lake. So that was like the the, the very focal point to the story that Cunningham was telling. Yeah. Um, which we didn't know it was going to spawn like all these sequels. And I don't think he knew it either. Like, I no, I don't. The, I, think, I think it was just going to be a one-off. Like, yeah. So. I mean, like you had mentioned... 
the success of Halloween, I mean, it drove his interest in creating a slasher horror film and what was going on at that time. Who who would have known that that was going to blow up like it did in the 1980s, where we've seen countless slasher films that came after it and and only seen the success of the ones that kind of established it early on. That's why you've seen Halloween go on to make successful films because of success it had. Friday the 13th, same thing. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. All of these classic, iconic early films kind of established that early in the 80s and with Halloween in the late 70s. And they just modeled that. And one of the things that uh, you had talked about with his counselors being distracted, that was one of the tropes of the horror films and the slashers, right? Don't go, don't smoke, don't drink, don't have sex, or you're going to get killed by one of these. And if, if that is you that you're out doing that, be watchful for Jason and listen for the in the background. So Friday the 13th, um, it was, I don't know the box office numbers. Did it end up huge? Yeah. Because like, uh, Paramount, like took a chance on it and it's like we're gonna release it because i think cuttingham thought no matter what he was gonna put it out anyways and he just figured he, he was just gonna put it out like independently but when paramount backed him like man they they showed it like across you know i think over like a thousand screens and it did like it's opening weekend it was the number one so i don't know what it grossed initially but well yeah, so I, I think it, budget wise it was about half a million to seven hundred thousand dollars, so low budget, more than Halloween, but still low budget. I think it's opening weekend. It probably done fifteen million or twenty million, which yeah. is astronomical back then. We're talking like nineteen eighty. So these numbers, like you know, in today's market or whatever, fluctuated. That's that's big numbers, especially yeah. for a horror horror film coming from a major studio like Paramount. Not unheard of, for to sure. Be honest. So Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. should Friday the 13th, 1981, be any different? Friday the 13th, part two. The body count continues. 14. You're all doomed. You're all doomed. 15. God. 16. 17. 18. 19. Twenty-two. 
23. Sandra? Jeff? The day you count on for terror is not over. Friday the 13th. Part 2. Seeing all that success with the first one, they came back in 1981. I mean, not too long after <laughs> this first one was Less dropped. I mean, they had to have been filming the second one like immediately after or uh, even during some of the footage that they may have captured during re- filming of part one and used for part two. I don't know, but part two came in super fast after the first one. So part two is a few years after the events of the first film, it's a new group of counselors that arrived to Camp Crystal Lake. They soon discover that Jason, who survived his supposed drowning, is alive and seeking revenge. Now, in this one, he doesn't have the hockey mask. Uh, this one, he's co- he's got his head covered. He's an adult, uh, but it's with a burlap sack over his head, and he he goes on this murderous rampage. Now, here's what I want to ask you about, and I don't know if you've seen this movie from 1976, The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Have you seen that film? Yeah, I have. I've seen it, and I've seen its remake from uh, a few years back. So the original, if if you look at part two, Jason, and The Town That Dreaded Sundown, a lot of similarities there with the character of Jason and uh, what that character looked like in that film. And and like I say, this one, he didn't have the hockey mask. Um, and we don't really see that until, uh, is it part three or is it in the end oh. of part two where we actually see him get the hockey mask? Oh, it's part three because it was like kind of a coincidence. But so, yeah, part two, it's like um, they were like still like, you know, because finally they, they reveal the Jason character, like, you know, yeah, you know, he, there's a body, Jason is real, he's alive or whatever, and we're introduced to him in part two, but it's like we're still not really introduced to him because we all know Jason Voorhees, the iconic character, is the hockey mask. Yeah. So I feel like between like one and three, they're still in this like weird middle uh, where they're like try- still trying to find their identity with this character. Um, it was a good touch. I, I liked the burlap burlap sack because it has like the one cut out of the eye which always creeped me out um and part two has like a really good kill too um i don't know if you remember it but he basically the the guy and the girls like on the oh yeah like on the bed and he like takes the spear through both of them yeah and we hadn't really seen a kill like that up to that point where both of them were penetrated with that yeah and it was pretty gnarly that that kill but um but yeah it's uh but there again like even though we still haven't been introduced to this iconic hockey mask wearing killer part two did still did really good business for paramount uh it made um i think uh it might have surpassed what the uh, the first one did at a little yeah, at bit at the box, at the box on opening, yeah, yeah it, it did. It did pass a little bit on uh, part two versus part one, not by much, but just a little. So I think after this one, after part two, I think they finally realized, hey, we've kind of got something here. I, I think they made part two because they seen how fast and how much money part one made. They're like, we got to put a sequel out immediately, and then they're probably like gonna. They were probably like, oh, let's see how this does. When it did like big business and big numbers, I, I think they realized. Uh, I think well, I think we have a series here, and yeah. I think that's what they that's what they had in their minds going forward with the next one for sure. So part three 
weekends are a good time to escape to the woods. Unless the weekend begins with Friday the 13th. Because 13 is an unlucky number. But out here, so are 1 through 12. Because these are Jason's woods. And nobody leaves them alive. Friday the 13th, part 3, in 3D. Jason, you can't fight him. You can't stop him. And now, you can't even keep him on the screen. Friday, the 13th, part 3, in 3D. Now, when it comes to killing in Jason's woods, Jason will come to you. Friday, the 13th, part 3, in 3D. A new dimension in terror. It will scare you. Install. This is the gimmick one. It, this is the gimmick one. It it is, and we were seeing a lot of films at that time go playing off the gimmick um, as well. But this is where he acquires his hockey, the iconic ho- hockey mask, like we talked about. And this one's about a group of friends that were vacationing near Camp Crystal Lake, and they become targets uh, while Jason continues the killing spree. And like you say, this one's the gimmick uh, because it was released in 3D. It was part three and in 3D, which we've seen a lot of films at that time in the 80s go with that gimmick when they had that that third installment to go on the 3D bandwagon. And there were some interesting shots uh, that they used in this film. I think of the eyeball and then... I, oh, I that know, was so gnarly. I don't know what the uh, weapon was he was using when he shot it and it looked like it was coming straight at you in the camera and it shoots oh, her yeah. in the eye. Yeah. So there were some gnarly, uh, gnarly shots in that, some... some gruesome kills but yeah part three this is when we seen the hockey mask and actually after this one it stuck with with him i mean different versions of it uh but but definitely this one is where it got established yeah this one for like that period during the 80s when we saw a lot of 3d films it's actually one of the personally i think it's one of the better 3d films uh i think they did a really good job with um using that um aspect because a lot of the kills almost every kill in part three um had some sort of 3d element to it like you said with the eyeball and then we seen in the beginning like one of the first kills is kind of goes he basically breaks into this this couple that's living in, in this house and he breaks in to get like a weapon and they use that um 3d aspect in that kill what actually what i remember most about this one and i'm sure you do too is the music wasn't the music just the weirdest thing it was it sounded completely (laughs) 
opposite of what we were used to with the first two. Yeah. It was, it was still the same guy that uh, Harry Manfredini, he took it to a completely different level. Like, he had a whole n- different approach in the music. And it was very, um, it was real, like, poppy, like, real pop. And it was very synthesizer-heavy. And it just wasn't very, like, eerie, like what we were used to in the first two. Yeah. But it worked. I mean, it, it worked. I, I, I love the music in it. Yeah. And so, the first one, 1980. The second one, 1981. Part three, 1982. So, three films back-to-back-to-back to back to back, uh, because of the success and and part three ended up grossing almost twice as much as what the first one, the original one, did. So people were just eating these up and loving everything about what they were releasing with these slasher films, which part four that came out about... Uh, Two years, about two years later in 1984, there's a lot of mixed feelings about part four. before you have felt the terror known the madness lived the horror but this is the one you've been screaming for Friday the 13th the final chapter Jason is back He moves like a shadow, dark and silent. Sorry to change your mind. He never utters a word. He doesn't even seem to breathe. He simply, mindlessly, mercilessly kills. But now, Jason's reign of terror is over. Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Friday, April 13th, is Jason's unlucky day. Oh, yeah, for sure. What's crazy, part three, yeah, it's like, I think one of the, like, a lot of people say it's one of the worst in the franchise, but it was probably the mo- the highest grossing one of the whole franchise, to be honest. It grossed, I think, the most money. So, um, yeah, there was a lot of mixed feelings because, like, with this part four, they wanted to end it. Like, they yeah. wanted to end the series, which, to me, I'm sure a lot of studio heads um, at the, at that time probably felt like there was probably a lot of, a lot of gas left in that tank, which, uh, you know... Obviously, you know, we, we soon find out there was, but at that point, like, for them to um, to just, yeah, go out and say, oh, this, this is going to be the last one, the, this fourth one, we're going to call it the final chapter. Yeah, that's pretty shocking for a studio, or for any studio, who who make their money off sequels. Yeah. You know? But um, now, but now we see it, we see it all the time, so... That yeah. there was there was a little bit of mixed feelings on on that one, and uh, the final chapter was the we seen Jason come back after the events of Part Three terrorizes this new group of teenagers that live near Camp Crystal Lake. 
Tommy Jarvis, who was a young boy with a knack for special effects. He becomes the hero who ultimately takes on Jason. Now, that film grossed even more. So another hugely successful uh, Friday the 13th film that hit the box office and just continued on with the success. So that was not the final chapter, as people would see. But this next one had a lot of mixed feelings because they took a totally new approach with this movie. And it's kind of like the approach they took with Halloween Ends, uh, with the, the film that we're seeing, that we just seen with the Halloween franchise. And I think Halloween kind of copied a little bit of, of the tropes that uh, Friday the 13th, A New Beginning copied with the 1985 film. age 12 brutal self-defense murder of a psychopathic killer boy they've given him every therapy they can think of it's wonder his mind isn't fried with all the drugs they've given him the mindless murderous fury that was buried with jason has been Reborn. Pete! And suddenly, terror has become child's play. Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning. So this took place years after the the previous film and the young disturbed right now young man that was disturbed Tommy Jarvis finds himself in a halfway house after the trauma that he encountered with Jason. However, this copycat killer emerges and it leads into this whole new wave of violence and fear. This one had mixed feelings because it wasn't Jason in the movie. It was this copycat killer that tried to portray himself as Jason. However, his mask was a little bit different and had like the the blue marks on it. But this was one that fans were not super fond of because of the approach they took with not actually having Jason Voorhees in the film, but this copycat killer. Yeah, that's something like I've never understood like all the negative reviews on this one because like people should have known that like with its title, A New Beginning, it I really liked this approach and this new idea, um, taking the story in just a completely different direction of having this copycat killer. Because people should know, like, you should have some, like, I don't know, some inkling that maybe 
this isn't going to be Jason Voorhees in it. Like they, I mean, because they, they, they presented Killer behind the ho- hockey mask. Like you said, they presented him completely different than what Jason is. Yeah, his mask is different. It had markings on it. His body language is different. And and I think fans should. I don't know. I think they need to uh, have another look at this film and maybe rewatch it again because I think it. It was a great entry that bridged, I call the early Friday films, and I'm talking one through four. Yeah. And this was a great lead in to the latter years of the franchise. And I'm talking um, the end of the franchise where I think Jason became more vicious. And, and it and it shows in the certain actors that portrayed the character in these subsequent sequels. But I just felt like it was a great, it was a great bridge between right smack dab in the middle of the franchise. Just you know, you got to try something different and something new. And I, I think it worked. I think it paid off, especially to use that Tommy bringing back that Tommy Jarvis character because it was kind of cool. At the end of four, you see this little kid by Corey Feldman freaking swinging this machete, and he straight up murders guy that's like unstoppable. This little nine, ten year old kid, yeah, you know, defeats the the evil. Um, you know, the evil killer in Jason. Like, it was just a great... I think it was a great setup. And I just... Yeah, I've never understood why people... Um, I don't know why so many people hate on Part 5. I And I love the look of it, too. Like, I did, I loved the look in New Beginning. It was a little bit darker. It, yeah. A lot of the scenes, a lot of the shots, they weren't lighted very well. And, and I think it helped it helped the quality and helped the look of the film and 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 as we know like you said just a couple years ago halloween ends use that same yeah uh, format of having a copycat killer i mean it works yeah i mean um and the fans uh, have mixed feelings about that too though i mean there was a lot that that didn't like that but yet i still i mean i still felt like it was a a good film i mean is it technically Michael Myers that you're uh, seeing killing people? No, it's it's uh, Corey. Uh, what is it, Corey Cunningham or I forget. Um, he wouldn't be doing it unless yeah of the character. So in in sense, it's it's still Michael's essence. That's yeah. That's, yeah, I mean it's just a great it's a great story. Yeah, same with this. So yeah, and and that's what we've seen kind of continue on in part six with Jason lives. So Tommy Jarvis, now a teenager, returns to Camp Crystal Lake to ensure that Jason is truly dead. However, he inadvertently res- resurrects the mass slasher instead. And as Jason wreaks havoc on the locals, Tommy has to find a way to put an end to the curse once and for all. This is the one that's like struck by lightning and, and resurrects Jason out of the grave and he goes on this rampage again. So, I mean, it's like you can't keep Jason down for nothing. Something is going to bring him back to life. So this one is just, this one's sick. This one's awesome from the look, from the presentation, from the poster with the tombstone that says Jason lives on it. Like this brought the character back to like it's, Part of my language is like his badassery like he was so tough he was coming at you and the director tom mccoughlin that's what he wanted like yeah. he wanted wanted to bring that character back but he wanted to sprinkle in like a little bit of this like gothic horror that like he loved and grew up on like he loved the old universal horror film from dracula frankenstein wolfman um or the werewolf and wanted to um kind of infuse it that's why you see jason's resurrected kind of like how Frankenstein comes to life yeah. like from a, from a bolt of lightning, like electricity, yeah. like brings Jason back. And I just love 
opening scene where like his eyes like went like he's down in a in a grave site and his eyes pop open and he comes back to life all those maggots crawling <laughs> around his eye like it's so like yeah put him on it that's why i i say these after part five this is like the latter years and this is like the more vicious films because this film finally introduced something that we never had seen before in any of the previous friday the 13th films all these friday the 13th films deal with a camp right this is the first it took six films to finally get children Camp Crystal Lake. Like, that's what I'd been waiting for. Like, the whole franchise, not one of these films had yet to put children in on these films. And that's something, like, I mean, that's what I want to see because seeing Jason going up against, like, kids, like, you don't want to see that, but then, like, you kind of want to see it, but it's like, no one's done that before. And, like, it brought this even more of, like, a terrifying, like, aspect to it. It's like, no, he wouldn't really kill a child, would he? Well, that whole element of the kids that, camp crystal lake like this film on another level yeah Um, for sure and then so that was in 1986 1988 part seven comes out with the new blood this is the one you've been waiting for what's happening to me your psychokinesis and these delusions are listening to me the one you've been asking for hey tina isn't this the way they weather jackets back in the mental hospital? <laughs> concentrate! Concentrate, Tina! The one you've been dying for. You people give me the creeps. Okay, you big hunk of a man, come and get me! Jason <laughs> is back. But this time... Someone is waiting. This was a telekinetic teenager named Tina who was tormented by her traumatic past unknowingly unleashes Jason from his watery grave. And again, Jason resumes his murderous rampage and Tina has to harness her unique abilities to confront and defeat this relentless killer. This is, I think, one that Jason looks really good at or looks really good and just kind of gruesome in this one with how he's kind of been down in the water for so long and he he comes up this resurrected kind of moldy looking character and i think it's one of the i think one of the better looking jasons out of the franchise i mean it's just he's got his flesh is ripped open in areas and he's just you can tell he's taking a beating over and over and over and over again but yet here he is coming up out of that not grave, but basically his water grave, uh, Camp Crystal Lake, to come out and kill again. Now, this one, I think they nailed the story. Because this, this is the only story where Jason finally has like an adversary. Like, you have this like unstoppable horse, and he's kind of meeting 
yeah, uh, Tina with the with her telekinesis, she's like this immovable object, and it's like you know, push come to shove, they're going up against each other, and they come to blows, and it's like you know because all the previous films, you know, we know Jason comes in, cuts up a bunch of teenagers, and does his thing. This one was different because he's never had someone on his level like this before. Yeah, and they go through. Like, I'm telling you, like the last like 15 minutes, maybe the last 20 minutes of this film you go through this non-stop drag out fight from where you know, like there's one scene where like they're on this county this just country road and she's it's a great shot where tina's looking down at jason at the end of the road and he's standing under this like telephone pole she uses her powers and like pulls that electrical cord down in that puddle of water and just electrocutes jason it's like she throws everything, and he just keeps getting up and getting up. It's just, like, nonstop. It's a great, great ending. One of the better endings to yeah. uh, any of the films. For sure. Part 8. This is one where they take it to a new location. It's it's not necessarily set at Camp Crystal Lake anymore. He finds himself on a boat that is bound. It's actually like this little cruise ship bound for Manhattan. And a lot of the movie takes place on on the boat. But I thought the the scenes where you've seen Jason in Manhattan in in the middle of Times Square were just, I kind of lo- loved seeing that. Um, I, I remember one of the scenes where he's walking through and there's like these uh, punk teenagers sitting there, the edge of this like subway stairway that goes down. They've got this boom box playing, which is iconic for the 80s. And he comes by and just boots that boom box <laughs> all the way across the street and he just takes off marching again and i think some of those scenes where you've seen jason with this different setting that's not like a woods type setting was pretty iconic and definitely fitting for that time of the 80s and one that if you listen to um uh, kane hodder talk about was one of his favorites because he said it was just amazing kind of being in character and being in in Times Square like that around all of these huge buildings and this horror character. It was like the pinnacle of of, um, what it could be. And he's like, he just felt like, says he felt like a king at the time when he was playing the character in in New York like that, which I thought Jason going to Manhattan's kind of hokey, 
but I thought it was a, a pretty clever film. And one we've seen with Scream, another movie recently we've watched. They've taken the, the Scream character Ghostface out of its setting and put it in uh, New York. So another kind of taking away from the Friday the 13th franchise as an idea and plugged into a current horror film that is a, another huge franchise, that being Scream, and, and using some of the tropes that Friday the 13th used back in the 80s. Yeah, like when you're watching part eight, it's like, man, you just wish it just get off the boat like soon <laughs> enough because like it seems like most of the film is on the boat. Yeah. And I think why that was was they just didn't have the like there was a lot of things they wanted to do when they were in New York and they just didn't have the budget to do it. They wanted to shoot at Madison Square Garden. They wanted to shoot at the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. I think the film would have been it's uh, by itself it is. It's a good horror film. It's a good entry in the series, but I think it could have been a lot a lot more and a lot bigger if they would have had a, been able to spend more time in New York because the few scenes that we do get in New York, uh, they're pretty iconic. Like when you see Jason just interacting out on the busy streets of, um, uh, you know, uh, downtown New York, it's like, you know, it's like, man, it, 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 like Jason truly is like worldwide pop culture. You know, it, yeah. it, when you've seen him there, it was just so. Um, and when he punches the guy's head off of his body, that was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good kill. That is, that's, that was, we hadn't seen that before. No, I mean, that was a new one. Killed, yeah, that was a new one. So, oh, the, man. <laughs> so the ninth one, the ninth installment uh, comes in in 1993. So they took a few years where they didn't have a release. It was kind of weird. I mean, we went eight films just in the decade of 1980, uh, where it was almost year after year after year they had them. Well, it took a few years before they came out with the next one, which was in 1993, and it was Jason Goes to Hell. This is another controversial kind of film with the fans, too, because this one was a totally different take and, again, not necessarily Jason in the film because they basically blew Jason up and... What happened with this was like his terror kind of reigned inside of other individuals. Um, and that's soul. What, yeah, yeah the soul. soul of his care. It reigned inside of these other individuals. And it was a little bit different. So Jason was killed by a SWAT team, but his spirit possesses various individuals to continue his reign of terror. Film introduces a new mythos surrounding Jason's supernatural origins and his vulnerability to a, a mystical dagger. Yeah, this one was different. I remember this one when I was a kid. I always remember the iconic cover where it had like, you've seen these flames and, and the hockey mask was like this chrome mask and this snake coming out of it. Man, that was an iconic image on the VHS 
cover art back in the the VHS store days. And this is really probably one of the more memorable ones I have from a kid just in regards to the cover art. Um, but as it relates to the film, one that I I just don't rank up there very high. Yeah, I think what you were saying earlier, why, why there was such a long lap between Manhattan and uh, Jason Goes to Hell is because like, I think they were at the early stages of trying to get Freddy versus Jason off the ground. And yeah. when they were like in limbo, Don Cunningham, the creator, said, well, we, you know, we need to put another Friday the 13th film out. Let's, let's put one out. So that's when they kind of rushed and came up with this possession story. Yeah. And I agree with you. It's like, it's, it's, it's one of the weakest ones in the series. It's just not, just don't land right because when a lot of these kills are happening, it's, you're not seeing Jason. You're seeing like the person. You only yeah. get like a couple minutes of Jason from like shots if through, from a mirror or, or the opening scene where they blow him up. But yeah. Like, but yeah, it's just, it just, for me, it fell flat. Yeah. So, and then again, there was no more releases for a long period of time. I, I think, like you said, there was continued efforts to try to make this Freddy versus Jason happen, but it just went on and on and on and never happened. Um, so again, they put another Jason film out in 2001. From 93 to 2001, there were no Friday the 13th films, and then another one hits. And again, this one... I'm sure sitting around the table, God, Jason's done everything. We've, we blew him up. He's not, he's done, been to Manhattan. He's been everywhere. What else can we do with Jason? Ah, heck, let's send him to space. So Jason X. In the year 2455, on a routine training mission, a team of students is about to discover a life form frozen in time. Wow. They're on their way back. Prepare for docking and power up the lab. You brought him on board? Everything's under control, man. What the hell is going on? Jason Voorhees, that's what's going on. He's an unstoppable killing machine. Guys, it's okay. He just wanted his machete back. How do we get off the ship? I don't know. Look, we're going to be all right. What? Are you high? Uh-oh. Out of there. I think we're finally okay. What the hell is that? You've got to be kidding me. Oh, wow. He's been modified. Oh, you think? You guys might want to run. Set in the future, Jason is uh, like frozen and then he wakes up on the spaceship in space. And as he stalks the crew members, a group of survivors have to find a way to stop him. Um, 
And it was like this high tech kind of Friday the 13th movie. I think one of the most interesting kills, though, comes from this movie when he like uh, dry ice freezes this woman's face and then just takes it and slams it off the table and it shatters into a million yeah. pieces. This one was interesting. Uh, but again, it felt like it was a, a grab, a stretch to try to just get another Jason movie out there. And they used a different kind of, uh, since it was based into the future, used like this futuristic looking hockey mask and, and this get up that it, they they put Jason in. So this is another one that, that ranks pretty low for me, but it was an effort to try to just get another Jason film out. Yeah, I mean, it was new and innovative. And honestly, Jason's like the only horror character like that you could have done. Like I, I could never see Freddy in space or Michael no, Myers in true. space. Jason works because of his... Uh, his look, like, cause they, uh, yeah, like you said, they with the technology they upgraded him, and like he was like a super soldier, like yeah. he had this full body armor outfit that, like, the spaceship had this technology where it would regenerate like human cells or whatever, and they regenerated his whole his whole carcass into this like unstoppable machine. Yeah, and it was he had a good look, like the mask and his whole body. Um, and, but like you said, it was it was like a, it was a cash grab. It was something that I think they knew that, hey, we're still a year or two away, I guess, maybe from... Because one we're about to talk about next, Woo. it went through, I think, developmental hell, I think, for a couple of years. Yeah, so and that was 2003. So 2001 was kind of the, the last uh, Jason by his cell films and one that had been talked about and worked on for so long actually in 2003 came into existence and it was a battle between two iconic horror characters and really remarkable that they were able to make this happen. Uh, so this was a crossover film that brought together the two horror icons, Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger from uh, Freddy being Nightmare on Elm Street series. two slashers battle each other while manipulating the dreams of unsuspecting victims. And this is one, just real quick, uh, one that you could tell so many people were anticipating and just eager to to see and and the boss box office success of this film was remarkable the only other one um higher than this one is is one that we'll talk about after this one uh but this one was huge with Freddy vs jason yeah i remember um it's like it's it's poster image it's oh, yeah. always like ingrained in me with Freddy's uh glove and jason's machete uh, it's crazy to think like this, this year's the 20th anniversary of that film it came out 20 years ago and I'll, I'll, I'm sure you remember, but uh, 
I I remember vividly that we went to the theaters to see this. It's like opening weekend. Yeah. Um, it was like me and then you, you and me and uh, I forget who else we went with, but I'll never forget that. It was a packed house, oh, packed yeah. audience to see Freddy versus Jason. Everybody and, was anticipating it. And yeah, because it was it was probably ten years in the making because they wanted wanted to make it in the early nineties. Yeah. And um. And like I had said, for a couple of years, they were back and forth on on what story they were going to tell. They it had like over like thirty scripts, thirty different scripts written, and they rejected all of them until they finally landed on one that I guess the studio agreed on. But um, but overall, yeah, it 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 lived up. I me, I think it lived up. It you know it had high expectations, and I think it delivered. I definitely do think it delivered. Oh yeah, for sure. I think the scene where Freddie jumps up out and and lands up on that dock that goes out into Camp Crystal Lake and Jason's there and oh man it's just some of the imagery that they used in that film is just iconic with those two characters I so wish they would have done more of these like a, a Jason versus Michael type movie or or a Michael and Freddy movie. I, I it was just so neat to see those icons come colliding uh, together. But yeah. Pinhead, throw throw Pinhead in there. I'd love to see that too. Yeah. It was cool that they were able to make that happen and, and definitely one that I think uh was extremely successful. And then the final installment that we seen was the the remake of Friday the thirteenth. He was my son, and today is his birthday. You won't believe my parents' cat. Here we are. Pretty nice, huh? Just get your ass to sister she's gone missing have you seen her jane missing she's dead people go missing around here they're gone for good
uh, in 2009. And, and this was the reboot of the original film from 1980. And it retells the story of a group of young people who venture to Camp Crystal Lake. Um, Jason, as always, hunts them down one by one and uh, just relentlessly butchers them. What'd you think now, of 2009, one, it, the the latest reboot of the original? Uh, for me, when I look, step back and look at like all the horror franchises that have had remakes, I'm talking Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, um, Friday the 13th. This one is, I think, the best uh, remake of any of those horror franchises. Even like Texas Chainsaw, like they did a very good job at doing remake for this Friday the 13th because they presented Jason a little different with this one they presented him more of like a guy who has lived in the woods for like yeah. last 30 years like he was a straight up hunter like i love the scene where girls like you know, out in the lake or whatever and she sees him like off in the distance standing off the side of the lake and he shoots that arrow and like it was like on point precision like he presented him as like this cold-blooded like hunter like something we had never seen in the character before because any other time they've presented him he's he's been kind of i don't know slow and like dumb and methodical and this one he's freaking hauling he's running like non-stop we'd never seen that before so just brought this whole other side of jason it's like holy crap he can do that with his character like i want to see more of this jason so i think it paid off and i think it i think it did fairly well at the box office yeah, for sure. Um, I did want to talk about some of the releases that are out there of the Friday the 13th series of films um, because they've got some really good releases out. And I know Paramount is putting out all of the, had started putting out all the films again and actually starting to put 4Ks out now. So um, just going way back, back in the DVD because I don't have any VHS, but I know way back then, I remember watching, renting the VHS of Friday the 13th all the time. I mean, it was one that you would watch just, I don't know how many times, countless times. Um, and then they they released them all on DVD copies, have, have a few of those um, that have all of the films, actually the eight film collections on the DVDs, and then have like a, a Blu-ray collection of them that was the complete collection. And then what happened, what was interesting that happened, uh, because we'll talk about the lawsuit here in just a little bit. In the midst of going through the lawsuit with the, the legal challenges, Scream Factory, and I know you've got this, Ryan, uh, put out this full yeah. collection of all of the films uh, from the original all the way up to the remake and a extra couple discs of bonus material in this really nice box set that they still sell today, but each individual film in its own case, all with artwork, all with special features. It is a remarkable set for the Friday the 13th franchise. It's similar to what they had done with uh, the Halloween franchise, and now I know they've gone on and done all most uh, all of the Halloweens on 4Ks, uh, Scream Factory. They put this out surprisingly in the middle of some of the legal challenges going on. Um, and then Paramount has been releasing Blu-rays on Steelbooks for the first four um, and then a, and then an eight movie collection altogether in a Steelbook. But yeah, parts 
one through four they've they've done in steelbooks and then they actually have the 4k now of the original that they've released so i i think friday the 13th gets a lot of love as it relates to physical media that you can go out and find these really anywhere and they've got good releases to them when you talk about nightmare on elm street which we'll talk about at some point in the future that one's kind of been neglected and for reasons i don't know why um but they just don't have as many releases as they do for Friday the 13th. But I think the physical releases that they've done for this series has just been remarkable with all of the love and care and special features and all of the stuff you learn about these films um, along the way. They actually have a good documentary about the film too, uh, uh, Crystal Lake Memories, that they put out. And another one that was a documentary before that that was called His Name Was Jason. So there's just so much out there that you can learn about this um, franchise as a whole. I mean, the ins and outs that you can learn from just the bonus content that you get with the releases is amazing. Yeah, it is. It's great for all the fans of the franchise. There's plenty of um, physical releases out there that people can get their hands on, especially that are collectible from the steelbooks. And especially, I think the best release is that the whole collection that Scream did put out a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, it's the, it's the most complete, complete box set. And yeah, it, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. It's awesome. So the legal issues that are kind of wrapped up with the Friday, the 13th franchise caused a lot of, delays on stuff because i know they had talked about wanting to continue making movies sean cunningham wanted to uh, continue making these films and then the the issues kind of that have entangled friday the 13th have really been over the dispute about who has the rights to the franchise and the ownership of certain characters, particularly Jason Voorhees. So Victor Miller is is one that was the original screenwriter to the first Friday the 13th film. He filed lawsuit in 2016 uh, seeking termination of his grant of rights to the franchise. He claimed that he was the sole author and should have the right to terminate and reclaim ownership of the characters and concepts he created. It led to a legal battle over the rights to the Friday the 13th screenplay. So Horror Inc. versus Miller, which is a lawsuit, and it was a legal dispute between Miller and Horror Inc., a company associated with the franchise. It involved a complex copyright law and uh, termination of rights. In 2018, uh, the U.S. District Court ruled in favor of Miller, granting him the U.S. rights to the original screenplay and the ability to exploit those rights. The impact that it had on future films, the legal battle between Miller and Horror Inc. created uh, uncertainty regarding the production of new Friday the 13th films, the ongoing legal dispute and conflicting rights uh, that have put future projects on hold, and it resulted in no new films being released since 2000, since the 2009 reboot. Potential settlements and negotiations there had been discussed while legal proceedings uh, continued. There were discussions about attempts to try to settle the disputes. And then I know in 2022, 
So last year, um, I believe all of the legal issues and disputes ended up finally getting settled and uh, the court process done to where now they are talking about actually doing a TV series on um, Camp Crystal Lake and the young Jason Voorhees and the mom of Jason. So I don't know exactly what that series is going to look like. That is, is that Peacock that is putting that together for that series coming in 2024? Yeah, it's supposed to be a prequel, and it's going to tell the story of very young Jason Voorhees and his mother. So we'll probably see a lot of character development in his mother on how she became to be so vicious in the original 1980 film. Yeah. So it would be a it'd be a good uh it'd be a good story to tell, definitely. And then it sounds like um even I mean Sean Cunningham's always talking about another movie for the franchise. So there's potential that we could see another Friday the thirteenth film out there at some point. I do know they had a game that they had released, I think last year, uh with the Nintendo Switch, like PlayStation, all those platforms, that it was a Friday the 13th game and the rights to it are coming up, I think, towards the end of the year. So they are re-releasing another Friday the 13th game. So there's a, a revival of Friday the 13th type things that are happening. And it sounds like some of those things we'll see towards the end of this year in 2023 and on into 2024. So I think it's a good time uh, for the Friday the 13th franchise to really start to see some things happening with it again yeah so i've uh, getting on the tail end of this i have a couple questions for you All right. so you think is there a future do, do you think we will eventually see a friday the 13th film in the future and what would be your vision for it yeah that's a good question um I, I do think there is a future for sure for the Friday the 13th franchise. I mean, we've seen the hunger in the horror fans when a lot of what we're seeing now getting... I think there's a, 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 a breath of fresh air in the horror uh, genre to where over the last few years, we've just seen a ramp up of a lot of the originals. Like we've talked about Halloween. We've talked about Scream. I hope we see um, A Nightmare on Elm Street, but it sounds like... Uh, we may not see the character that we want to see in it. Um, so I know they've tried that before with Nightmare on, El- on Elm Street and it didn't work so well without Robert England. And he's talking like he wouldn't be part of that. So I don't have mixed feelings on that. Um, I know he couldn't necessarily do it. Uh, but I love hearing that it's a possibility that, that there's more of Nightmare on Elm Street coming. I love hearing that it's a possibility that there's more Friday the 13th, and I think it's a perfect time for it. What the story would be is a tough one, because like we've talked about, they've done everything, and they've they've also done a, a great remake of the movie, which I think they did a phenomenal job on. I would almost have to think that a sequel to the remake and kind of walk through it a a new as they do like typically it's trilogy so if they did a trilogy of films that they come back with a remake off or not a remake a a sequel off the reboot and kind of take it in a, a a different direction a little bit than what they did in the 80s where they took him all over the place had him in manhattan took him into space i mean all those things i don't think work but i think a good sequel to the remake that they've already done does but also i like the idea of of them 
doing the prequel to the whole franchise itself with the TV series. I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes. So I think they can go a few different ways, but I think they need to really be selective on the direction that they head with it if they want to be successful. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that we will some point in the future, I don't know if it's in five years or ten years, definitely see a another Friday 13th film coming. But in my opinion, though, like... like my ideal vision of a new Friday the 13th film would be to ignore, like completely ignore that remake and actually do something that horror franchise has never done. Do a new, another, like a new um, remake or, or it could fall in between some of the older films, but have it take place back in the 80s and do a period horror film with Jason Voorhees and set it somewhere in the 80s and it could it could be a story in between some of those older sequels i think that'd be very interesting to see that or um, yeah um it could be retro and it could call back and it could be an older looking jason like how jason looked in the 80s i think yeah. that'd be kind of cool to see that it, that that's a good idea also maybe the lore that um and maybe we'll learn some of this with the tv series of what caused the evil within that family besides just him drowning there was something deep i think inside of pamela Voorhees that drove her to her madness when that kind of yeah. happened i i think we'll see some of that with the tv but what was before that even like was there was it this whole camp crystal lake area that was this essence of evil that just kind of attached itself to yeah, maybe it was cursed or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. But here, cursed, something cool of... that, that has happened, even though we haven't got official releases, fan films are a huge thing, and, and we would be remiss without mentioning a couple really good fan films that have been really shot professionally and released uh, professionally because they've been like Kickstarters that fans have helped to fund. Uh, Never Hike Alone and Never Hike in the Snow are two fan films that they did with the character of Jason, uh, but obviously not Jason or called Friday the 13th, uh, but kind of modeled after that character with the hockey mask and very good resemblances to that with some pretty good acting for a fan film release. They're about 30, 40 minutes uh, in length, but really good good fan films that they kind of model after the Friday the 13th franchise. And I think they have more of those that are being released as well. So there's a lot of things happening with the Friday the 13th franchise as a whole. Definitely. So now the listeners, they need to know what is our favorite Friday the 13th film and favorite kill. Those are the top two um, that I know I would want to know. So we got it. We got a lot of, we got to tell them. All right. Favorite Friday the 13th film and our favorite kill. I'll let you go first. So mine's easy. My favorite Friday the 13th is the one that actually has kids at the campsite, and that is part six, uh, Jason Lives. I just, I love the the look of it. I love the tone. I love the story. I love the aspect. I love Jason's, like, presentation where he's, like, just this, like, nonstop move like Terminator, and that's kind of like what the director, Tom... McCoughlin wanted he wanted Jason to be this just like this, this like methodical nonstop like he moved like a machine and um so with some of those scenes where he's confronted with children at the campsite uh made it even more scary and more like it just brought the horror out because it's like no there's no way he would you know kill one of these children and he ends he doesn't 
that that whole idea that it that he could, you know, it just brought it gave you more, made you fearing more. Um, and coincidentally, my favorite kill is from my favorite Friday Thirteenth film. So my favorite kill actually does not involve Jason's machete. You know, he's killed so many people with that machete. He's probably killed over 150 people. My favorite kill, just all all it involved was Jason folding up somebody. So my favorite kill is takes this guy. And completely bends him backwards, and you hear his whole <laughs> back break in like a million pieces. Yeah. Makes me cringe every single time I see it. Like I don't want to watch it, but I thought you were gonna say. Kill. I thought you were gonna say seeing Kevin Bacon being killed was your favorite kill. That is, yeah, that's a good one too. <laughs> where he the spear through the neck, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah good. I gotta go with the, the, gotta go with the crunching of the bones that always gets me every time yeah this is tough uh, to nail down like your favorites um i i've got to mention a few things but i'll give you my favorites i i really like uh i, I like this on the steel book the back of it this is part two but the you're doomed you're all doomed <laughs> the old guy yeah. <laughs> i always love that i mean it's just so uh memorable that when you watch it I yeah. really, I, I really like part two. Um, that's not, I'm, that's not my favorite, but I just like the, the feel that you, you get with part two. I also like, uh, what you said with the, uh, atmosphere of part six. It's also kind of a, another great feel, uh, atmospheric type, uh, feel to the film. And I always just like the, the Friday, the 13th films that give you that campy vibe, um, where it's like, you got them around a campfire and they're, I mean, it just gives, if you've ever been, uh, at a camp and, and done that type of stuff, it's just really spot on. I'm going to mention my favorite movie is one I'm mentioning this because I really like it. And it's my son's favorite too, uh, because he is, he's, he likes the aesthetics of of Jason in this one, the hockey mask, how it's kind of broke broke apart, but also the look of Jason in this one, and also because, like you had mentioned earlier, it is a film where Jason kind of meets his match, and this one comes in right after yours. But I'm going to say uh, the New Blood Part Seven is going to be my favorite film, and this one is my son Caden's favorite film too. And you can kind of see, I'm showing Ryan the, just how he looks without the mask is just so gruesome. Yeah. It's it. He, they just did such a good job with the special effects on him there. And, and, um, I think the favorite kill, like I already mentioned it, it comes out of Jason X and it's where he freezes her face and it just shatters all over, all over the table and and in that spaceship. It's out of nowhere. Yeah. It's it's just out of nowhere. Like you don't expect it at all. And it's like, like I remember when I seen that the first time, I was like, "Holy crap! Is that e- it, like if you did that, would that ha- happen?" And uh, probably that would, it was uh, like, yeah, just super creepy and gory. And it wasn't like blood gory because it was like all frozen, but it was just gory in regards to how it happened. And it's like, yeah, that is a crazy so- kill. One thing that I do want to mention real quick is, and I always found this so interesting, that even though this is a horror franchise, that somehow so many of these films always sprinkled in um, a little bit of comedy in them. Oh, yeah. And I, I just have something that I wanted to highlight, and I know you'll get a kick out of it, but I'll never forget, um, in part four, final chapter, the actor 
Crispin Glover's ants in one of those scenes. He dances <laughs> yeah. like the goofiest dance. It was straight up out of the 80s. Yeah. And it's so memorable. Like, I remember that more than, like, anything from the franchise. You would think I, I would remember, like, <laughs> like signature kills. This goofy yeah. freaking dance is one of the highlights. I actually think the there's a franchise. meme about it. with or like a, there, a, I think a, there is. Yeah, there's something out there about that. But, yeah, that is... That's hilarious, but yeah, there are some. Yeah. That's I think that's what's good about Friday the Thirteenth. It's a good horror franchise, but it also sprinkles in some of that '80s kind of cheese that that you definitely need with these movies. And I think they did a really good job. I love revisiting all of these movies from time to time. I'm so glad they've got physical media releases of them that we can enjoy and learn about the the movies, all the special features that come with it. There's just so much packed into these. And if you haven't had a chance to check Friday the 13th out in a while, I would highly recommend it because it is a good one. And um, if you've never seen it, my lands, you need to be, you need to be diving into that and uh, definitely checking it out. So this is really good, Ryan. I, I think I hear your counselor in the background. Uh, I think your bride may be running out, so I'm going to have to oh, probably oh, yeah. let you go. We'll definitely be back. I'll, I'll dial in to you again for our next episode of the Summer Block Party. Um, anything in closing that you'd like to tell the listeners since they won't be hearing from you for a little bit, um, since you're going to be kind of locked up in a way there on your, on your detox program? Yeah, I'm going to leave the listeners with this. Just letting them know to stay tuned because this is just the very beginning of what they're in store for is a huge massive summer block party that's going to be full of so much great content and we're going to be diving deep into a lot of these episodes and this is just the kickoff this is the this is the this is the opening uh the opening of the party and uh we're just getting started so well, yeah well- well, there's a lot to look forward to. And while you're at camp, just remember, don't don't smoke cigarettes, don't drink beer, and don't get busy, or Jason will be coming after exactly. you. So take care of yourself, Ryan. We'll we'll dial into you again soon. Um, we'll we'll touch base, see how how your detox is going on our next episode. And until our next episode, go check out our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter page. Uh, since Ryan's locked up, he's not putting much letterbox out there right now because he's. Not able to, understandably so, um, but be on the lookout for those in the future, too, once Ryan gets broken out. And I tell you, Ryan, I'm going to break you out of this place at some point. We're, we're, we just can't leave you in there for too long. Um, but until next time, we'll catch you in the future on the next episode of Electric Entertainment. Peace. Peace.